I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. The podcast. Okay, we got <laughs> we got to change that. If someone's new here, they're gonna be like, they're gonna forget what they're listening to. But yes, in welcome case back you're concerned, this is the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. You're in the right place. <laughs> yes. Um, today we are talking about something called reverse dieting. It's a question or a topic we've gotten asked about quite a few times. People have asked us to review this. Um, we did discuss a similar topic back in episode 74. So we'll link that below. It's, it's kind of like the part two to that almost, um, mm-hmm. in that episode, we talked about metabolic adaptation. If you can slow down your metabolism. Um, and we kind of concluded that, yeah, you totally can. Um, it's a, a typical or not abnormal result of dieting. And in some cases people will do what's called reverse dieting to help counteract that metabolic adaptation. So again, it's kind of like a part two to that. I think we mentioned in that episode that we plan to discuss this further. So yes, if you're here, here we from that, welcome. <laughs> yes, here you go. And one of the things that we want to just mention right off the bat is this is a normal survival mechanism which is all three components of that phrase are very important. And it's not that like, if it's more so if like your body doesn't get enough calories that it needs oftentimes with dieting, it'll adapt to keep you alive. So this is just one kind of piece of the huge puzzle that is weight loss and it's a lot often what makes it very hard to sustain and maintain and whatnot. Additionally, metabolic adaptation plays a big part and is supported by set point theory and if you or set point weight theory. So if you haven't listened to that episode, we will also link that in the show notes. So go listen to that episode as well. It's actually probably one of my favorite ones that we've ever recorded also one of our most popular ones. So if the other people seem interested, it's for a reason. If you don't want to listen to us, listen to (laughs) Yeah. But our body essential, to give you kind of the cliff notes version of a point weight theory, our body has this weight range that it kind of wants to be at and prefers to be at. And there isn't a calculation or an algorithm to figure out what exactly this range is. It's just kind of with trial and error and incorporating a lot of intuitive eating principles along with rejecting the diet mentality and dieting overall, your body can kind of find that place where it's at that set point area range. Exactly. But yeah. That's like why if someone asks an intuitive eating RD like us, if they're like, am I going to lose weight while I eat intuitively? We can't say yes or no to that because it depends on what your set point range is. If you're above that, as you work towards intuitive eating, you might lose weight to get to that set point range. Um, If you're already at it, you'll likely just kind of maintain around that area. 
might have like some weight gain and loss as you do like make peace with food. You might find that you overeat that food for a while or whatever. There's a million scenarios that could happen, but, um, you also could, um, gain weight during all this to get to your set point. If you are below that, maybe you were under eating as a result of chronic dieting. Um, and so you were below your set point and by, uh, what's the word practicing those intuitive eating principles, you might gain weight to get to that set point threshold. So you guys know this, if you're not new around here that we talk about that all the time, how like weight loss is not something that goes right along with intuitive eating. It just may be a result depending on what your body's preferred weight range is at. Exactly. So let's talk more about metabolic adaptation and what exactly that can look like. So, so we'll just list them off. So right off the bat, we have gas or flatulence. You want the medical term. Gross. (laughs) Bloating, fatigue, heartburn, constipation, diarrhea, increased hunger, sleep disturbances, weight gain, plateauing, anxiety, loss of muscle, irregularity with periods or menstrual cycles, and low immunity. So it's not to say you'll get all of these not to say you'll only, like there isn't a certain number you're experienced, but these are some possible symptoms that might happen when we are slowing down our metabolism. Exactly. So some pretty telltale signs too, that you're just simply not eating enough as well, which could, as you know, lead to that adaptation of your metabolism. Yeah. So that's kind of where the reverse dieting comes in. If you're someone who has a pretty good idea, or maybe you work with a dietitian who agrees and they support this, that you might have experienced that metabolic adaptation where, um, you've been dieting for a long time. You feel like no matter what, um, you know, if the minute you get off a diet and eat quote unquote normal, you gain weight or experience any of those other symptoms. Um, you have a pretty good solid idea that you might have experienced the metabolic adaptation. You might want to do reverse dieting. Um, as I'll explain, it's also very common in the fitness and bodybuilding world by those who do follow very strict, often pretty low calorie, um, diets approaches in order to get that like stage lean look they're looking for. Um, and then the reverse dieting is often used during the off season to gain muscle. So I'll get to that as well, but reverse dieting to kind of define it. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's the opposite of dieting, so to speak. It's the diet after the diet. And it involves progressively increasing your calorie intake to boost that resting metabolic rate back to its original rate. It's all an estimation. I mean, most of us don't have the resources to test our metabolism and its rate very frequently, if ever. Um, I've told my bod pod story on here before, but most of us don't have the resources to, to do that. Um, I only did once and it was a terrible situation as we discussed previously. What episode is that? We won't link it. You'll have to go find out. We've mentioned it multiple times. (laughs) It's traumatic for me, apparently. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this is exactly how it sounds. It's where if you've been dieting for a long time, um, whether it is for the purpose of like a bodybuilding show or just weight loss in general, um, been kind of sucked up in the diet culture, um, you may want to get your metabolic rate back up. And that is where reverse dieting comes in. It is usually beneficial for those in the bodybuilding community because it's done in a very slow, progressive way. Like they increase their calories very, very slightly in order to 
hopefully what their goal is, is to gain muscle mass while minimizing fat mass gain. Cause when we're eating in a caloric surplus, we have a possibility of gaining fat and muscle. But if you're a bodybuilder, you're trying to minimize that body fat that you have. Um, it's kind of the whole nature of the competition is to have a very low amount of that and have a very specific shape. Um, so the goal is if you increase calories slowly to hopefully mostly gain muscle and minimize how much fat mass you're gaining. Yeah. So the question is, does reverse dieting work? And the answer is not really. There isn't a lot of peer reviewed research around at time. Often times, if you do find any research around it, a lot of it's going to be anecdotal and a lot of those like testimonials. And we all know, I don't, we don't all know, but we will make you in the know <laughs> is testimonials and anecdotal data tends to be one of the weakest types of data when it comes to research, because it's one individual. You're not really controlling many parts. You don't have a control group. You don't have an experimental group. Is there, there's no double blind side of it. It's not a randomized control trial. It's not potentially done in a controlled research or scientific environment in the first place. It's just someone's experience, which we don't know everything going on with that. So if, so no, we'll say, we'll say no. (laughs) We'll say it could work potentially, but from an evidence-based standpoint, we're going to have to say it's a no-go right now. Maybe in a couple decades or years or however, I don't really know the average span it takes for like recommendations around different dietary recommendations recommendation yeah i'm saying things that are not connecting in my segments on it my brain is brain is working it's not connecting yeah it's like feeding it to the other side the other side's like i don't want to eat that it's like no, a baby it's like, that you're like feeding baby food to <laughs> yes and it's not digesting but anyway long story short no <laughs> Yeah. I think it's like it, like the concept itself seems to make sense. You know, if our metabolism is, um, has been lowered from not eating enough, eating more should help. And I, I think it does, but like reverse dieting as a diet, so to speak, is what we just can't really define super clearly, which I think is why it's not been studied super duper well. Um, which kind of leads to the next point here, which is like, if you do want to do this, the, there's a lot of experimentation that would have to happen. Like how many calories do you increase by to get this success you're looking for? We also have no idea what our set point weight is. And that also changes too, during different life stages. So it would be a lot of trial and error, which is fine. Like we're not always looking for like this perfect black and white cut and dry thing to follow, but how do you test that to see if it as a whole is like what everyone should be doing who experiences metabolic adaptation? Like we just can't know for sure if it's the one and only best way. Yeah. And I feel like this is a a really good segue because there are some instances where reverse dieting or something like it is incorporated from like a medical nutrition therapy standpoint. There are 
there are times that us dietitians have to incorporate this. And one of the first ones I always like to talk about is <clears throat> I'm going to butcher this because I don't work with GI issues anymore. So my knowledge there isn't as great. I think it's, I want to say small bowel obstruction or nope. One of the small bowel resections. Oftentimes you have to like slowly increase calories again, and it puts you at risk of something called refeeding syndrome. And this is essentially that you have to have the calories low enough for a while that the body can process it because you took out a part of, in, in the specific case I'm talking about, you're taking out a part of your digestive tract. So your body has to adapt to that. And what can happen is if you increase too quickly, it can cause this influx of like electrolytes and spike insulin and lead to other nutritional complications. Other instances where something like reverse dieting might be incorporated is oftentimes with like eating disorders. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Especially like anorexia nervosa or ones that there's a little bit more of that severe restriction. You don't want to just someone, you don't want someone to go from eating 600 calories a day to like 2,500. Their body's going to freak out. And there's a way as medical professionals that we work through that so that their body adjusts properly so that they're eating adequate amount every day. But we don't want there to be any of that imbalance of electrolytes or fluid or whatnot. Exactly. Which is why we recommend if you are going to work through this to do it under supervision of a professional, if you're able to, um, like a dietitian would be preferred um, because we do specialize in this kind of stuff. But if that is not a available resource for you, um, I guess best advice, if you are going to do it solo is to just take it very slow, especially if you have been dieting for a long, long time, um, and maybe eating pretty low calorie, and that can be very subjective to you and what your body's Mm -hmm. needs are. Um, it's going to be very important to increase slowly, not only for the benefit of hopefully like the whole bodybuilder thing of maximizing muscle gain and minimizing fat gain, but also for this refeeding syndrome as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing to watch out for with this reverse dieting, um, could be obsessive calorie counting, which I know I just said to like, take it slow, take it (laughs) slow and like be aware of the calories. Um, and we talk about this a lot. I do on social media too. When it comes to calories, it's kind of like one of my things on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Okay. So uh, calorie counting is not inherently a bad thing. And my brain just like short circuited. It like forgot. That was, that was me five minutes ago. What like if it's not connecting. So <laughs> I just like blacked out. Like I literally couldn't see for a second there. That was weird. First episode recording of 2023. It's going great. <laughs> This is, this is how we're doing guys. This is not going to be a, a, I can't think of words. This is not going to be how the rest of the year goes. This is not no, no, no. a snapshot of what's, what's to come. Um, okay. I'll put it simply so I don't have to use my short circuiting brain. Calorie counting is not inherently bad, but if you are trying to pursue an intuitive eating approach, it could definitely stand in the way of that. If we're always focused on our calorie counting app and food labels and all of that, that'll make it really tough to tune into our body's hunger and fullness cues. So if you know, you have a tendency to get pretty obsessed with calorie 
numbers and goals. If you've done them before, um, very specific reverse dieting may not be a good fit for you because if you want to do it the quote unquote, right, proper way, um, that specific calorie intake and adjustment and monitoring to make sure you are doing it properly and getting the results you're looking for is going to be necessary. Um, if that's your goal, but like we said, reverse dieting is not what you have to do. So you're not missing out. Like if you feel like that would happen where you become obsessed, um, you don't have to do like reverse dieting, however you want to define that. Yeah. I don't know if that made any sense I guess that's kind of, I feel like that's like almost the whole message of this episode is like, you don't have to reverse diet. Exactly. It's a thing it's out there. It's commonly used in like the fitness world, but it's not like this magic wand thing. That's going to like fix a metabolism that is broken. Slow down. So to speak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Next. And one of our last points to focus on when we are potentially participating in reverse dieting is ignoring hunger and fullness cues. So when you're slowly increasing food, your body might not be used to eating as much. So this can go either way. Your body might not be used to eating as much and you might get full earlier and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to push past and eat X amount if we are fixating on calories or macros or whatever it is. And then on the other side of it, maybe we are a little bit more hungry and we're experiencing like tummy grumbling or headaches or lower energy, but you're like, oh my gosh, I already ate my a lot allocated. I was going to say allotted. Is that a word? Allocated. I know. <laughs> you're asking the wrong person that today. <laughs> you're uh, maybe yeah. you already ate allotted. That's a word. Allotted. I was going to say allocated. I think that's a word too. What's the difference? That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> allotted amount allocated. allocated. I'm feeling more confident allocated. I think a lot is a word. I think it is too. I just don't know how they're but different. right now. I I usually like really like grammar and stuff, but not today. Apparently. No, that's okay. Uh, you guys know what we're talking about. <laughs> so once you've eaten your allocated amount or your designated amount that you've set aside for yourself, but you're still hungry. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I can only increase my X amount of calories. And I'm not going to say an amount because I know someone will hear it and fixate on it. Exactly. And you're like, I can't eat past this. And then you have a headache for the rest of the day, for the rest of the night, whenever it is. So that's kind of like an instance where we're, once again, it goes along a little bit with like the obsessive calorie counting, but we'll say in the sense of like obsessive, almost like sticking to rules, which if you have a long history of dieting, you probably might have that all or nothing mindset and feel like you have to be really strict with nutrition. So it might cause you to ignore those hunger and fullness cues, which we don't want to do. Your body sends those signals for a reason. Yeah. And if you are lucky enough to like hear them and have them consistently, that's a good thing because not everyone even knows what those feel like or sound like. So if you do, take advantage of that. Yeah. So uh, bottom line, this is again, part two, essentially. Um, so listen to episode 74 to learn more about like what metabolism like really even is. So we didn't really explain that today. 
Um, cause yeah. we did go over a lot more in detail on that episode. Um, but if you feel that you are experiencing some metabolic adaptation or just a slowed metabolic rate as a result of likely chronic dieting, um, it could be possible that refeeding, refeeding syndrome, <laughs> reverse dieting, <laughs> don't get refeeding syndrome. No, please don't. <laughs> it could be possible that reverse dieting may be beneficial for you, but if possible, um, we obviously recommend working with a professional to make sure you're not doing it too rapidly or too, I don't want to say too slowly. It's not really a thing, but doing it properly and not in a dangerous way. But if you are not able to do that, um, first of all, you don't have to like Emily and I both already said, but, um, if you do want to just do it really, really slow and don't feel like you have to increase calories by like double, triple quadruple over like a week's time. Cause that would not feel very good. No. So that's reverse dieting. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed it. Let's talk about our bonus question. So I'm excited for this one. I feel like I know your answer, but I want to hear it anyway, because <laughs> I know they so want to the hear people. it. Yeah. <laughs> so the question today is, do you like ice in your beverages? And I'm going to make you go first. Ooh, I have a solid answer for this one. I love ice and beverages. Like I've got ice like, up to here in this water bottle right now. I put Follow ice in almost question. everything. What's your favorite type of ice cube? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Like, you know, like hospital, like kind of crispy like yes the like, like little melty. yes that's the best that's the best, that's the best. Yeah. you can crunch it it's not like painful that's the best we have crushed ice now at our house which is a game changer Ooh. got a fancy fridge because at the apartment we had to use like the ice trays first world problems it was obviously fine but yeah as an ice girly it's nice to just have options and i can get ice like whenever i want yeah you should use that hashtag Ice girly. Ice girly. I feel like that could be, ooh, you know how, like the clean girl so, and yeah. like, oh yeah, I'm going to be an ice girl. be an ice girly. I feel like that's a, there's a niche for that. People there's tons like, of, I, my for you page, like gets a lot of oh. like ice people, like the different, like ice cube trays and stuff. That could be me, but yeah. I love the ice cube trays. I like the, the ease of my fridge, just pushing a little button. I'll figure out my way to to incorporate it. incorporate it but yes I put ice in almost everything and like lots of it if I can you but, could do sorry you go you well I was gonna say I will say if I like go to a restaurant and it's like I'm getting it like to go like say like fast food um I try not to get too much because then I'm cheap and you don't get as much beverage if you do too much ice that's a financially conscious decision to make and i'm a cheapy we... icy queen girly that's too long to be a hashtag <laughs> cheap icy queen girly <laughs> please post that in just one video put it in the comment section don't oh my you gosh yeah right i want to even like put it on the video yeah that's funny okay i don't know your answer i think i i think the answer is like not really but i don't know if that's I true i feel like I can go without it. Yeah. There are when it's like a fun beverage to me and fun to me is like anything that's not water. Same. Same. Like <laughs> I had a Diet like, Coke earlier and I was thriving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love 
anything bubbly with ice. Like Mm -hmm. yeah, this weekend we had sparkling apple cider and that was really good. I've had like Arizona teas a lot recently and been adding ice. And I also have an ice maker, but I actually have the like whole ice cube and crushed ice cube. Same. I'm like, I feel very privileged with this and I've been chewing so much ice. (laughs) Yeah. My dentist would not be happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like it's like, I would very much also enjoy, I feel like it's more of like, I want it to be cold. I like cold better than like room temperature of, of most yeah. things. Yeah. I think the only thing I might get a not mind is like water. Cause I just like water cause I'm dehydrated. Yeah. Yeah. I love water in general, but I like it a lot more if it's like really cold. Um, like, I have a question because I know you're not a huge fan of like bubbly drinks. Does having yes. ice in it help? You like it more? No. You still don't like it's the same amount of like. I The thing is I like bubbly drinks. I don't like when they make my stomach bubbly mm. and bloated. Got it. Yeah. Ice I'm sure doesn't really have a whole lot to do there. I mean, maybe it dilutes it a little bit if it melts. Yeah, that's true. But um, it cannot stop the digestive wreck that is coming. <laughs> Oof. I had ice cream the other day. Oof. <laughs> um, it was you... a... Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say it was that picture I posted with the sprinkles. Did you see my sprinkles? No. Oh my gosh. I, I think I did. When you visit, we're going to go to this place. It's called Margie's. And their Sundays are like literally like to go things are like this big oh my god and I was like craving a waffle cone and sprinkles and I probably very well could just like eat in two bites of ice cream with a waffle cone and sprinkles um but it was not good Mm. no bueno that's not good um do you like slushies very much I love slushies which are basically just like straight up ice oh my gosh remember that sonic oh Whatever that was with the nerds, that, that was so might good. be one of the best drinks I've ever drank in my entire I, life. The Sonic near me closed down, and I'm sad about it every day. Oh my gosh! I know. I don't know why Sonics don't do as well as they do. I know. I love them. I know. I don't know what it is, and like, it's a great idea. The food's great. Yeah. There's so many options. I'm wondering if it's their like pull up. Like where you have to like pull up in order. Since it's like not a drive-thru. Because I'm like, if it was a drive-thru, I feel like it's mm-hmm. like the same exact, very similar premise to a lot of other restaurants. That's true. But we're Americans, so <laughs> <laughs> heaven forbid we park our car and you're right and wait. Place an order. <laughs> uh, well, I like it and I wish I'd come back to Fort Wayne. But I'll survive. I got lots of other options. I'm going to a new place tomorrow. I'm excited. There's like a new market. If I like it, I'll take you when you come. It's like a whole bunch of like different vendors. Ooh. Yeah. So they have like a sushi station, a burrito station, barbecue, a meat market. They have like, I think, um, remember that like uh, that, what's it called? That beer place we went when you came to oh, visit. Oh, yeah. I think they have a booth there. Ooh. that brewing company brewery that's the word is it indoors i think so yeah. yeah 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 they have outdoor seating but i think all the vendors are inside 
Oh my goodness. Well, that sounds fun. I don't know why I brought that up, but <laughs> oh, because we don't have Sonic, but I love yeah. other things. So I'm going to try that tomorrow. I'll report back. Yeah. Okay. Ask me next Let week. Let us know. I'll ask you next week. Okay. Or go look at Hannah's Instagram story because honestly, That's true. I'm sure I'll share something. I mean, about this it. is coming out next week though. So preemptively go look right <laughs> where you need to read all of our minds and what we're saying. Uh, we hope you looked last week. If you're new here, you learned your lesson by not following us already. Yeah. You missed out on my birthday. Now you posts. missed out. Yeah. Which are coming. I'm excited. I have, I'm going to whip out some college pictures. Oh, I'm not God. sure if I want to do videos or pictures. It's all, I mean, maybe I'll do a collage. It's 2023. A, so videos in. That's true. It's true. I also just felt weird saying it's 2023. Have you written it yet? on anything mm, i have not no i don't really write very much <laughs> <laughs> i've typed it a lot yeah that's fair, that's fair. Hmm. yeah well once again the bonus question has gone into like a third of the episode so <laughs> if you're still here god bless you <laughs> thanks for hanging around we appreciate it let us know if you <laughs> like ice in your beverages we're dying to know Yes. And start using the hashtag ice girly, please. Or as Hannah says, ice queen girl. What, would, what did you cheap, say before? Cheap. cheap. That was <laughs> cheap ice, ice queen girly. <laughs> yes. Let's get it trending. <laughs> um, we can save it for another bonus question, but I've been really into glass straws lately and I want to know your preferred straw type. I'm going to add to okay. the list. Okay. I feel like that's another question. We'll hold on. You'll, they'll have to stick, come back. Well, they know yeah. my answer now. I love my glass straws, but to know Emily's answer, come back. Come back <laughs> probably next week. <laughs> probably. Yeah. All right, guys. Cool. Thank you for joining us and learning all about metabolism. Once again, if you have any other questions about this, let us know. We are always looking for new episode ideas. So let us know and we can answer your questions. All right. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Happy new year. Happy new year. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of The Upbeat Dietitians with your hosts, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.